Getting tabled. Getting tabled. Getting tabled. Getting tabled. Getting tabled. Getting tabled. With the Bruce, the Yank, and Captain Socks. Is it nice being able to hear things, Mr. Socks? Oh, yes. Hello, future people, and you are listening to Getting Tabled with your host, the Bruce. Hey, that's me. And the pair of fuzzy foot warmers in the other corner. Thanks, guys. Uh, I get a promotion I'm glad I started that. <laughs> I get a promotion next month. Oh, really? Congratulations. Well, not official. We're hoping. I'm hoping my major's board uh, selection list comes out next month, so I'll find out if I make major or not. So, once that happens, I'm getting my promotion here on the podcast. But I was got already it. calling you Colonel. Uh, uh, <laughs> Colonel works too. <laughs> He's got a ways to go for that. I, yeah, I, 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 I don't know. Captain Socks may be, may be permanent, though. I'm not, enti- I'm not entirely convinced that um, Socks deserve to be anything more than Captain. I mean, do they even deserve Captain to begin with? They're just footwear. <laughs> oh, what fun. Uh, I was not here last time because I was doing important adult things, which that was lame. George fell asleep and couldn't get off the couch. That's what happened. Also, also, his girlfriend done the kitchen while he watched. Yeah, I doubt it. <laughs> okay, she did. <laughs> she did some of the grouting, and and I will fully like say yes, yeah, she did that because grouting is terrible. It is the yeah, wor- it is yeah. the worst possible thing ever. So um, I've never done grouting, and I even know that that's the worst part. Yeah, don't don't do it. Just don't do um, tiles. Just do the horrible vinyl stick stick down stuff. And then you don't have to grout. You just have to put up with air bubbles and everything forever. Yeah. Because I don't think you can get microsol for um for uh, vinyl floor tiling stuff. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. I was going to tell you about micro my, the, the the that stuff. Yeah, and I wasn't here to tell you about it. That's all right. Wait, I've already I've already got the information I needed. For those that are wondering, I um. To date, have never actually done uh, water transfers. I just, I just never bothered with my blood angels because I, I never had gotten to the point where I felt I needed them, and half of them had sculpted pauldrons anyway, so I didn't see the point because um, they were just tabletop. I, I wasn't trying to go for any awards or anything, so I've just never done them. And I was like, "There's two products here that are almost exactly the same name." And the description of them essentially says that they do the same thing. Why is there a set and why is there a soul? And then everybody answered my question. One's a setter, the other one's a solvent. Bruce. It's not my fault that the company that makes them don't know how to advertise their products properly. Alrighty. Um... Legit, the company that makes them. The description of the product is exactly the same on both products. On their official website. Oh, see, I never went through their official website. At least that's what it was when I was trying to figure it out. Anyway, shall we discuss some news? Newly received or noteworthy information, especially about recent or important events. So we're actually starting the show this week with some Star Wars stuff. So I'm going to hand over to the foot warmer over here because it's more his... My real. On the ground. So, yeah, uh... So, Krabuk, who is a YouTuber uh, that does a lot of previews for various Star Wars Legion Armada X-Wing products, uh, he also uh, follows Atomic Mass Games on their Twitch account, and he was watching an earlier video from them painting up Medusa uh, on their Twitch account, and in the chat of their channel, 
they announced that on uh, 3 February, they're going to be doing their first announcement in the Star Wars realm of what they're going to be taking over now that they've taken over from Fantasy Flight. So I'll definitely be listening in on 3 Fab. We'll have some stuff to, to bring to you on our next recording because that's only a few days afterwards uh, that yep. Atomic Mass Games will, will have that. Um, so just for those of you that are Star Wars Legion or Armada or X-Wing fans, uh, if you have Twitch, uh, go out and, and listen to that as well. And um, the um, the painting tutorials and stuff they do on the Marvel stuff is probably the best content for Marvel that you're getting at the moment too. Not down-talking any of the unofficial stuff that happens out there, but they really do do some good quality content. Yeah, uh, I've, saw, I've seen some of their videos too, and yeah, they do look nice so far. Uh, but jumping down into Legion, uh, Miniature Market leaked uh, some future products, and it's also been around on the little Legion Facebook page that I've seen. So the Empire is going to be getting the L-A-A-T, i.e. Patrol Transport. Uh, it's kind of, that's the first Star Wars fandom link for you guys. Um, so a big tie-looking transport uh, vehicle. And then the Rebels are getting the AA-5 speeder truck, which almost looks like the little... Uh, it looks like the thing that uh, um, C-3PO on that ended up inside of, but a smaller version. Yeah, yep. Everyone's These are AA-5 very, very like deep the, uh, dives, especially yes. the LAAT. That's some really deep, deep diving. Yep, so going way well into the Expanded Universe stuff because uh, very you don't see any of these on any of the movies. Um, I think you see these. I haven't seen Rebels yet, but I think that's where you see them from, is from the Rebels series and whatnot. So, but Isn't that the... These will be transports of some sort, most likely. Which one are you looking at, George? The AA-5, wasn't that in The Mandalorian just recently? That's what I was making reference uh, to a second ago. It's somewhat similar to the one... Uh, the AA-5, yeah. Um, so there's there's a couple versions out there. Uh, AA-5 was one of them. Um, there's another there's another version earlier as well um, that had the the four doors on the sides that the stormtroopers rolled out in. So yep, but some some good units coming out uh, since they just changed some of the erratas on transports and how they work. So I'll be interested in seeing how these ones will work. Some people are speculating that uh, they'll carry one to two squads of stormtroopers or, or tr rebel, rebel troopers uh, around the battlefield. And so uh, that's what we got for Legion coming up. Uh, don't have release dates yet, but like I said, Minter Market has, has them on their website as of right now. So, so can I ask a question that always annoys me? Yep. Why is it that all these futuristic troop transports, whether it be 40K, Star Wars, or whatever, it's been proven that side exit or front exit is a death trap. Why Why? Why is all the science fiction futuristic stuff death traps? Why not the rear exit, which modern military has proven? This is the best way to do it, folks. <laughs> to, be, to be fair, the Land Raider did it, right? Uh, no, well, the Land Raider is a front and side. Isn't the Land Raider both? No, it's it's front and side. I think it's not right back. It's both. Uh, the Rhino is a back, yes. Okay, never mind. I totally know my 40k law. Totally. I mean, if you look at the IE transport, the LAAT, that one might be a rear, just because of the way. I mean, cause yeah, there's no way that's front. Yeah, because it's gonna be flying around, flying around on a, uh, and so that may be a rear exit entrance vehicle. But yeah, the answer to George's question is a stupid answer, but it's the accurate one. The answer is the rule of cool. It doesn't matter how realistic it is; it looks cool, and that's what matters. Uh... All right, sorry. I'm not, I'm not saying it's right. It's just what's accurate. <laughs> That's the reason why these things always end up being like that. 
because the idea of this opening at the front and everybody charging out to kill you all at once is just a cool thing visually, even yeah. though it doesn't actually work that way in real life. Think of D-Day. I mean, that's what we saw in D-Day. It didn't really work very well for the first wave. But anyways, moving on. Uh, for Armada, uh, potential wave 10, uh, last date that I found earlier this week was 19 February. Uh, Lion Rampant Imports up in Canada has this on their website. It's now showing a date release of 16 April. So I've moved it back about two months. Um, so this is for the Separatists and the Galactic Republic factions. So... Wave 10 overall and all the Armada stuff, but Wave 2 for the new uh, Clone Wars factions. Um, the Venator is the larger Star Destroyer that we see in the Clone Wars. That has the two little bridge towers and then the little Pelta-class frigate, which is a smaller ship. That one's already in uh, on the Rebel side right now, but they're making one for the Clones faction right now, the Galactic Republic. And then Invisible Hand is what Count Dooku flies uh, during the... Episode 3, the very beginning space battle, uh, you see him on that uh, invisible hand, and the Resolute class destroyer is... Go ahead, George. No, I, I... Right now, we don't have pictures, unless you want to go find them on uh, Star Wars fandom or, or whatnot. So, but looking forward to some more ships coming out uh, for Armada. So, that's what we got Star Wars-wise for this episode. Google has fouled me with pictures of the invisible hand. Helps how, you, how, right, though. How, how, how are you able to see it if it's invisible? I found it. I found it. Oh, that I, I remember this ship. It's like big and chunky and very roundy. Yeah. It's like it's very much supposed to be what be, ultimately becomes the Star Destroyers by the look of it. Or whatever uh, the position of the Star Destroyer is. Look at the Venator. Look at the Venator. That's what they kind of tear the the ISDs off of. Is the Venator class Star Destroyer? So again, yeah. why would you why would you have your bridge so far away from the main body of the starship to where like you know a well placed you know torpedo could just break the entire pylon and you float away? Yep. I'm grumpy today. No. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I mean you're not wrong, but in Star Wars, your shielding is not actually connected to the ship either. So. If that technology was real, it wouldn't really matter until the shielding failed, which it ultimately will eventually. Yeah. But most of the Imperial stuff is not necessarily supposed to have been designed well. It's supposed to have been designed by people that were really overconfident because nobody had the power to challenge them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, who's, who's going to be able to shoot, shoot a torpedo down an exhaust vent? I mean, come on, really? Now, look, to be fair... <laughs> It required magic for that to actually work. No. He couldn't have designed it. No, he couldn't have designed it knowing that somebody had magical powers, even though they were well documented and everybody knew that this existed. Except for the fact that we discussed this last night that, you know, it's the greatest uh, of the of the new movies. And the guy in the movie said, yeah, I designed this weakness. Shh. <laughs> that actually, yeah, that, that actually was a very smart decision, I think. Um. Yeah. It's good to see that they're continuing to push. I like that they're deep diving. I can't remember the name of the ship, but I'm kind of curious to see if they end up bringing out the ships from the toy line that never happened. In 1985, there was a line of toys to kind of move past... Oop, I bumped my microphone. Uh, to move past uh, Revenge... Uh, sorry, Return of the Jedi. And one of them was meant to be like this... Somebody was going to explore the clone trooper stuff. Uh, before ultimately becoming what we know it as now. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and it, they were going to have a ship that was essentially Star Destroyers, one stacked on top of the other, but as a starship, which is really weird sounding, but I'd kind of yeah. like that. I can't think of the guy's name. It was in a video I was watching earlier. So, I mean, don't get me wrong. The Star Wars stuff is good. I, I'm not one of those fanboys who poo-poos on one intellectual property because I like another one better. My issue, like Star Wars, sometimes it gets to the point to where it's like they're pulling out such obscure stuff because the content that you see stuff in is so limited. I mean, if you take a season of Star Trek, you've got like gobs of things that you can pull on for content. Yeah, you look at you look at Star Wars though, and it's just like the the what ship? Who was on it? When was it? What what? You know, well, half the time the ships aren't even mentioned by name. No, oh, yeah. Not. Yeah, I think so. Atat might be one of the only big things that they actually... Oh, Star Destroyers I mentioned by name in the movies, too. I mean, yeah. I'm sure there's other stuff, but a lot of the stuff, it's just... It's a walker, or it's just... Like, yeah. They get referred to by what they're referred to. Yeah. Um, I think the big difference that most people forget with Star Wars and Star Trek, I'm just using those examples, is Star Trek was designed for TV. It was designed to be delved deep. Because that's how TV worked at that point. Yeah, no, Star you're, you're not designed, wrong. Star Wars was designed as a popcorn movie, nothing more. Uh, I mean, it became more, but the, it wasn't. It Star Wars was not designed to be what it is now. Um, most of but us, it helps that the main character spoke in a regular cadence and didn't pause every other word. I have no idea what you're referring to. <laughs> it's the easiest thing to mark. Oh. Um, I would actually argue that he is a better actor than he's given credit for, but that's no, it. he absolutely is. You know, it's it, it's the problem is his classical training. I mean, yeah, but. yes, that actually <laughs> is very much classical training. Um, but Star Wars versus Star Trek is a completely stupid and pointless argument. Everybody in this argument that continues to fight to the death over it is stupid and wrong because Stargate's better to begin with. You're all wrong. I, I, I will partially agree with that. I'm sorry, I had to do that. Uh, should we move on to something primal? Yeah, let's, let's move on. Yes, so I, I found this game, and while, while testing a camera setup last night, I was like, oh, hey, Bruce, check out what I saw. And Bruce's like, yeah, I saw that. And we're, we started talking about it. It's all over uh, the place. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, I really didn't read too much about it. I'm, I'm assuming it's a cooperative game based off the way it is. Um, but the, the, the initial like look and feel of it, uh, just looking at the game, it reminds me of Reign of Fire starring Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, very much so. The, the best part was when I said that Bruce is like, Matthew McConaughey was in that movie? Well, yeah, I don't remember him being in that movie. I haven't seen it for a very long time. I haven't seen it, so I just, I've seen enough of it to know what it's about, kind of thing. So, um, but you, you play as a hunter and you're hunting monsters. Quite um, literally. Yes. Uh, they, they look like dragons and uh, definitely mm-hmm. not a giant rock penis face. Um, more dragons. Uh, something that's totally not Godzilla. Now that I look at it, well, there's a lot of that in everything that's on Kickstarter. Um, oh, hey, it's Mr. Krabs. I think personally that the dragon is by far the best of the monster minis that they've done. Um, the initial heroes, I think the girl with the bow is my favorite. Uh, dude with big hammer because big hammer. I mean, it is a really cool-looking big hammer. And let's talk about I mean, how, and he has like... A, he has a tactical rock, which therefore automatically makes him the most important minion in the game. Let, let's talk about the uh, the impractical impracticality of this hammer. The fact that the head of the hammer is as big as his torso. Hang on. Every hero has a tactical rock. 
Every single one of them. What are you talking about by tactical rock? Everybody's standing on a rock. Oh. So that they can look more dynamic. No, the, it's the fourth a massive one. trope that well, every company does. Lodar is standing, he's not, Lodar, he has one, rocks, but he's not standing on them. Yes. He's standing on a pebble. <laughs> okay. Pebbles uh, are rock. No, actually, no, he's not. No, he's not. Yeah, he, he's got okay, that corrected. I stand corrected. So it's the, it's a massive trope that I'm going to continue to pick on because even the first guy doesn't look like he's standing on one. It looks like the one that's he's standing on is actually in front of his foot. Really? Oh, it might be. Maybe it's just a false perspective thing. Yeah, it could be a false perspective from the camera angle. So now the other thing I'm liking about this game, uh, the heroes are a 35 millimeter scale. So. Slightly larger than your your we'll just say a Warhammer Primaris Marine because that's about the the scale size. The dragon yeah. uh, with like the four horn things, that's yeah, 145 mils tall. So I quite like the direwolf looking thing too, even though I know that's not what it is, but I'm like, that's what I'm calling it. The one with all the crystals on top of the forehead. The thing that's totally not the wolf from whatever that anime is, and it's yeah. totally not. A Pokemon. It's definitely not though. It's definitely not Nine Tails because it's got crystals. Nine yeah. Tails doesn't crystals, and, and and he's got uh four eyes too. I love that crab thing. Actually, come to think of it, yeah, no, th these sculpts look insanely awesome. And yeah, so the crab is like uh, it's a sixty to ninety millimeter scale for the the crab. I mean, these are these are not small. I mean, and if they have any sort of the detail, they they will be amazing. And it's, it'd almost just be worth having this game just to pull these out for like you know your D and party of like you're gonna kill this now. Yeah. yeah, things like this, I personally think tend to get used for that sort of stuff more than the games themselves. I, I was gonna it's say, not, yeah, I have to agree. It's not to say anything bad about the games. Uh, but sometimes the minis outshine the mechanics a lot of the time. Not talking about the mechanics on this, I don't know the mechanics on this, but when there's so many things on Kickstarter that are essentially ripping off Zombicide for the rules, they're not selling it for the game. Yeah. Uh, not talking about this game, just generally talking. Uh, so People having a go at me for talking down about a game that I know nothing about. Yeah. So th this game has piqued my interest. Whether or not I, I delve into it, I don't know. But uh, just based off of what we're seeing here for the 3D sculpts, um, yeah. That and the, the artwork. I, I'm liking the artwork too. Yeah. The artwork on the little character boards and stuff like that. Yeah. Are pretty cool. So uh, it, it's it's pretty reasonably priced. I think when we look at the the all ins, like two, oh, no, three hundred Bruce for like everything. Uh, it's two hundred and forty nine euros. Which is three hundred ninety-three Australian dollars. So three hundred uh, US, US. Yes. Yeah. So um, I, I I like it. I think it's pretty cool. So yeah, I'm me. a fan. Oh my god! I just saw the giant snake. That is cool. It's a giant snake that looks like the predator, sort of. What? Oh, oh. much much further down, Reichel. Yeah. It's like a giant snake, but it has the mandibles. Yeah. Oh, if that's not nightmare fuel right there. Yeah. Uh, moving on, something... Okay, we've talked a little bit about um, Frostgrave over the last couple of weeks, a couple of episodes, rather. Uh, the creator of Frostgrave is leaving Osprey, which is the publisher. Um, this was this was revealed on his own personal blog. Uh, for those that are not aware, I'm referring to Joe, the actual writer of the game. Uh, he's also the person that wrote Oathmark, and... Um, 
So Osprey is huge. I mean, we don't need to talk about who Osprey are, really. Um, he's leaving the company as of the end of last year. Um, it doesn't mean anything bad for Frostgrave. They're going to still continue to publish Stargrave and the Silver Bayonet, which I'm not actually 100% sure what the Silver Bayonet is. I'm guessing it's an expansion to one of the games. Um, but he talks in length about some of the things that he's done for it, like getting to work on Black Powder with Rick Priestley. Um, he's definitely not leaving the company because he's upset. Uh, he's making that very, very clear. Um, he's been there for over a year. Um, but he's kind of wanting to return home, and it looks like he wants to kind of explore new things. Um, I don't imagine that this is going to affect Frostgrave at all. He does kind of try to push that that is the way it's going to go, um, but he just won't be obviously working for Osprey as like an exclusive just for Osprey thing anymore, I guess. Kind of came out of left field, like very, very much left field. I did not see that coming. Uh, so but yeah. The first thing I'm going to point out is I love the fact that he's got his blog just on Blogspot. Yeah, I know, right? Like, you know, Duke could actually have his own page domain and all that stuff and everything. No, I'll just do it on Blogspot. It's fine. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say that he is Games Workshop, but he's certainly not a small fry. I mean, Joe Joseph is someone that I would argue that any gambling... Like, he has had the hottest property in the indie scene for a couple of years at this point, um, I would be very surprised if almost everybody are not trying to get their hands on him. Um, I guess we'll just have to wait to see where he ends up. Uh, my prediction is that I suspect he's going to try and start his own thing afresh, but I'm just basing that on guesses. There's no, I don't, I haven't seen any speculation. I certainly don't see him going to games workshop, but he's never said anything bad about games workshop. It's just, that's not where his initial passion lied. He actually comes from a D&D background originally. Shocking. Um, there's also been some interesting reveals in Age of Sigma. Oh yeah, yeah. No, I, I it, it took it, until I until I looked at this photograph that you know larger to where I could see it instead of on my phone. I actually now see what everyone's been talking about. Yeah. So this is a week and a half old news at this point, but we still wanted to talk about it. Because, well, I still wanted to talk about it, mainly because I want to make a joke about it in a second. Um, people are seeing this as either one of two things. It's either the dinosaurs where Alan in Jurassic Park goes, oh my god, they do herd, I was right, or they're kangaroos. I mean, they certainly look a little bit like both, um, apart from the heads. The heads look nothing like a kangaroo. Um, I like these mounts. Um... I still don't like the elves, but I do like the mount. Well, it's not that I don't like the elves. I just don't love the elves. Warren from Beast of War made a comment on this that I found interesting. He questioned whether Games Workshop is just trolling the entire community with these because they started off having a big thing to do with cows and then a giant thing that has a mountain on its back. And now these things are on kangaroos. Uh, and then there's another one that's on something else. And then they got foxes on their banners. It's like there's really... There's almost no um, theme. It's kind of, it feels very random. My thought would be that, well, they're elves and they're just working with nature. But 
I thought it was an interesting comment. Yeah, the the new elf stuff. I'm random is the best word to describe because you know typically you know there's like a theme or a flow with the army. You know, like take the the deepkin, right? Everything's like a sea creature or something like that. Yeah, this is these guys are all over the place right now as far as the elves. I mean, all over the place. A little bit too over the place for me. I mean, I'm sure that there's people out there that's going, yes, I love that this is all nature and it's all being... Because I suspect that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to make it look like they're working with all of nature and not just certain things. But it does feel way too random for me. Um, I do, however, have to say the vampire that's further down on the page, I'm not a fan of it. Uh, I like the armour. But the bats carrying the hair around just looks really dumb to me, personally. Um, that's all for on that one. They did, yeah. however, a couple of days ago reveal probably the best-looking vampire mini I've seen in a very long time. Yeah, you, you know how you solve the hair problem? Change the head? You put a bald head on. I would just give it a helmet, honestly. Yeah. Vampire Lord like that? Bald head. Boom. Uh, I mentioned a second ago one of the best-looking vampires I've ever seen. I'm skipping the big news of this week for a second and moving down onto the one after that because about three-quarters of the way down the page, after some more Realm Luminoth stuff, which I don't even begin to know what to describe, that that's obviously meant to be an animal helm of some kind, but I had no idea what it's supposed to be. I think it's supposed to be a fox with horns. I don't know. It looks weird. Uh, but just after that, and the Daughters of Cain stuff, I love the Daughters of Cain spells, we have the Diachasm reveal. And these four vampires are, without question, the best vampires Games Workshop have ever done, in my opinion. Uh, and they're just really good ones. Oh, there it is. Okay. I was just like, I don't, I wasn't seeing what you're talking about, but it's a different leak. Um, I did tell you I was skipping the next one and going to the yeah, one yeah. in front. Oh, wait, that's all the 40k stuff. What the heck? Three quarters of the way down the page. While you're doing oh. that, this is my response to the mount that we were talking about a second ago. And then I'll stop that because I don't want to get flagged. I think you got 30 seconds or something like that, 15 seconds? Probably. Uh, for those international that have no idea what that was, it's a very, very old children's show from Australia. Think Lassie, but Lassie is a kangaroo. Oh, these vampire scopes. I finally found them too. Uh, they do look nice. I honestly think they're the best-looking vampires the Games Workshop's ever done. Oh, okay. And by a huge margin. Oh, hey, uh, look at that. Yeah, that's... The guy that has a skull in his armor is just all kinds of... I'm going to have to buy this box, I think. But not for Diachasm, because I'm not, I'm not playing it. Uh, but I need to find a reason to own this vampire in the... Well, all of them. Yeah, I, my, I don't my care favorite is the, uh, the one with bat wings and the, uh, the mall. Yeah, he does look cool. So, so here's what's going on, Bruce. Here, here's why the elves are so all over the place and weird. Yeah, you, you've got Billy the intern doing the elves, and then you've got the actual like designer that's spent the last year working on these four vampires. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but 
there's been rumours for about three or four weeks now what the next game that they was going to reveal was going to be. Because there was a blank thing revealed a couple of weeks ago and everybody's like, oh my god, Epic's finally coming. Oh my god, it's actually going to be Battlefleet Gothic. Oh my god, it's actually going to be Mordheim. Oh, no, it's probably just going to be more stuff about the old world. Well, nope, everybody was wrong. It's Warhammer Quest is back again with a new board game. I don't think anybody saw this coming. Um, they revealed this at some point during the night for me. It was during the day for you guys. Um, so this is a dungeon crawler. You've got multiple heroes that are going to be part of it, but we've only seen the one so far, which is Jelson Darrock. And there's one bad guy that kind of looks like Pyramid Head, sort, sort of. But he hasn't well, quite... He hasn't quite grown the full pyramid yet. Yeah, the the one dude uh, totally looks like a, a ripoff of a, a Van Helsing character. Yeah, I can see that. Um, I want to go back just a second, um, real yeah. quick though. Um, can we talk about how terrible the Sisters of Battle walking tank is? Actually, yeah, I can't think. I I wasn't a huge fan of that either. Hang on, while you're discussing your thoughts, I'll bring it back up. Um. To me, it's like the uh, the weird like little exoskeleton suit they just came up with slash the, the little Grey Knight suit. That literally is what it is. But it has three Meltas, which apparently I guess is like really good. But this looks really, really terrible in my opinion. This looks like it was made in the 90s and not in a good way. I wouldn't, I'd, I'd say it was the 80s and it was in a, in a worse way. Yeah, I mean, having a closer look at some of this stuff, I do agree with you on that. We did kind of skip over a lot of this. Um, there's a new box set coming for Kill Team, so there's our confirmation that we were going to see some Kill Team stuff early in the year. Uh, there's some nice-looking sculpts there, but it's still just Space Marines and Necrons. Necrons. It's just all of the same stuff again. Um, that Necron Commander seems to have the AllSpark from the Transformers movies. I don't know why he has the old spark from the Transformers movies, but he does. Um, it's a box set of, what's that, seven... So it's 11 mini, so I'm sure it's going to be $500. Um, <laughs> Adeptus Titanicus. It's, it's a game that apparently everybody loves, but I've never seen a single soul play. Um just, it, it, it's for the people who want to play with all the big uh, Titan Knights, but they actually it's don't for the people that want them. Epic and can't get it. They're trying to make this replace Epic, which is why we're not going to see Epic. It's not going to happen. Yeah, uh, th this is the Epic that you're going to get. I'm sorry, I know that's not what people want to hear, but they're not giving you Epic. This is very clearly as close as you're going to get. But personally, I, I don't. I, there's not really much in this. Out of all of these reveals, the vampires is what I love the most, closely followed by the spells for the Daughters of Cain. Yeah. And the only downside I see on that is that this is probably the only thing that you're getting new for the Daughters of Cain. Um, but there's not really... Oh, sorry, no, I take this. This is the same thing where the Cursed City is revealed. Um, but realistically, I think... There's not really a lot of excitement here, which is very clearly because they wanted to save that excitement for Warhammer Quest. Um, because anything else that they were going to reveal was only going to pale in comparison to the fact that this board game is back again. 
Um, the last Warhammer quest went over quite well. The minis from that were amazing. I've seen no reason why it won't be again, but time will tell. But yeah, there's a website, atosigma.com slash cursed city, uh, if you want to have a look at the Warhammer quest stuff. Otherwise, check out Warhammer Community. That's literally the source on this. The very bottom of the page will link you to everything you want to see. So, they did talk about the Silver Tower a little bit and Blackstone Fortress, which is the last two versions of this. Um, Warhammer-wise, that's it for now, though. Um, definitely a lot of things that are supposed to be exciting. Um, some of it is, some of it isn't for me. I'd ask Captain Sox if he has any favourites in there, but he's not really a fan of most he of them. He said he liked the vampires. Nope. He did like the vampires, yeah. I did like the vampires. That's about it. It's sad that the the $40 box is the most exciting thing for me on there. All of their expensive stuff, including that Sisters of Battle, I'm kind of going, eh. Uh, Warhammer Quest is exciting to me, but I'm not going to be making any judgments until I see more of it. Um, because we see two minis at the moment. Two minis in a board game is not that exciting. Ooh. Well, it's not. You can't say there's something exciting if you can't see it. It's true. Uh, moving on, uh, Malvo, some stuff happening there, Bruce? Yeah, so there was one box in particular I wanted to look at, but just, I'm giving a bit of a preview here in the, um, in the video version. There's some new, there's some new stuff coming out. We've got a new Lord Cooper core box, which I find interesting because Cooper used to be a different character. Anyway, uh, that's not the exciting part. Uh, Yarnlo is back. For all of the people that want to complain about how hard the Marvel miniatures are to build, uh, just a tip: they're not. If you would like to build a mini and find out what an actual difficult mini is, buy this. This box set is uh, the Yanlo core box. Is that difficult to build that they made a t-shirt so that people could brag about the fact that they survived building the model? Sounds like Interesting. Maybe one from, uh, it's for a reason. Marble stuff doesn't even compare. I do get why people find some stuff frustrating, but anyway... The thing I wanted to look at was Zoraida. There's a new Zoraida core box coming. Uh, she's a character that's been around since the first edition of the game. She's kind of very much your stereotypical hag, witch-type creature that lives in the in the swamp. Um, she is both gremlins and um, Neverborn. Um, so we have a new Zoraida sculpt. We have a new bad Juju sculpt. The other ones all look like the original sculpts, which is fine. This is a box set that I always wanted and never actually got around to buying. Um, but in saying that, I haven't actually played Malifaux for that long. That um, I have a lot of stuff that I haven't played with already, so I think I'm okay for the moment. But um, it was cool to see that Zoraida's getting a new box set. That kind of excited me because she was a character that I'd always kind of liked. Uh, I'm still upset that they killed my most favourite character, though. Uh, there's also a Malosaurus Rex, which is like a dinosaur-looking, squidly monster thing. It's like T-Rex meets Cthulhu. It's kind of all kinds of cool, that thing. Yeah. Um, if you've never played any of the weird games, my main advice would be to look at Malifaux 
not to look at the other side. Um, other side is supposed to be a mass battle type thing, as opposed to Malifaux, which is skirmish. But it'll give you a better idea of how their mechanics work generally at a smaller scale. Uh, and to be fair, it has the bigger audience right now. Um, I'm not saying that the other side doesn't have players. I'm just saying that more people play Malifaux. Uh, especially if you're like me and dice hate you, this is a game to look at. There are no dice in this game at all. Oh, you must uh, but that don't game. expect these minis to be built easily. They are challenging, quite deliberately. Well, what did you just say, George? I said you must love that game then. Um, yeah, I mean, cards can hate me sometimes too, but not constantly like dice do. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's three months worth of previews coming up there. One of which is Half-Bloods, which is minis that were originally in the two-player starter set being re-released. Uh, there's a giant sandworm that looks cool. Lots of really nice things. Oh, actually, it's not that giant. It's a smaller thing. But it's a sandworm. You can pretend that it's giant if you want. However, moving on to something that's actually from the toy aisle, not from a gaming store. George and I had a look at this last night because I was kind of going, oh my god, I want this. Yeah, who, it's pretty cool. It's, it's Who remembers Dino Riders? Captain Socks, are you old enough for Dino Riders? Uh, no, sorry. Dino Riders was aliens from space that went back in time and fought each other using the dinosaurs on our planet. So you've got lasers, you have guns, you have swords, you have a blind guy that could still see by thinking really hard. And they ride dinosaurs, and the dinosaurs have dinosaurs. lasers on them. Yep, there's nothing about this that should not have been amazing. I mean, it was amazing, it just, everything else kind of overtook it, basically. This is a toy line that is kind of more popular in hindsight than it was at the time. It did have, like, three waves of releases back in the 80s. But it wasn't overly successful. The TV show only lasted for a year. Um, just because it, that was at the height, height where there really was too much stuff on the shelves and not everything was going to survive. Um, yeah, so so going back in, in, in the way far back with my memory, this came out when the G.I. Joe was at its pinnacle. Yes, very much so. You had Masters of the Universe. You had the Star Wars. You had... Uh, Transformers. Transformers. You, you had GoBots too. You were only about two years before the tur before the turtles were going to show up. Yeah, uh, you weren't quite there yet. So originally, this was a toy line where you have, without question, at the time, the best looking dinosaurs ever made. Uh, to the point where they've been recycled by several other toy lines now. Um, some of them even getting used and slightly edited for the. Um, Jurassic Park toys. Um, these are essentially army men type things. So this is just hard plastic, very simple kits. Um, I mean, they're not huge. You can see by the bases what, what sort of scale they are. This is, in Australia at least, a $50 box that comes with 20-something minis, is it? 15. 15 minis. Plus six dinosaurs. So yeah, 21 minis. I was right. Um, not actually miniatures. But they're miniature size, and there's no reason why you couldn't paint them. Um, they're apparently about an inch tall, so it's actually in, in the right scale. And most oh of the dinosaurs goodness. are around seven inches long. Oh my goodness, it's look at the tiny little size. velociraptor. It is so cute and adorable. <laughs> so It wants to be your friend as it eviscerates you and disembowels you. 
if you're someone that gets nostalgia on some of the 80s stuff and you're curious about some of the stuff that never really took off, this is probably the franchise that should have been massively successful. It's just one of the ones that slipped through the cracks. Um, it gets remembered pretty fondly in history. I mean, don't expect it to be Shakespeare because it's still a kid show from the 80s. It's similar sort of quality-wise as He-Man and Transformers are. Um, but it, it, I would actually recommend checking it out. It, it's fun for what it is. Um, and if you like it, then, hey, there's something coming. There's been rumours of a movie for this for years. I honestly don't think that'll ever happen, though. Yeah. But shall we move on to some hobby, I suppose? Uh, the aiming for indie real quick, which I... Oh, yes, yeah, so I forgot about that. Oh, never I finished closed. making the bumper for that, so um, that's my bad. Um this is pretty interesting. Um, I, 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 I think we're going to get to the point here where we're going to see an oversaturation on the market now. Uh, but it's, it looks yeah. like a little Canadian outfit making modular furniture for hobby stuff. Yep. Um, now, um, at this particular point in time, this company is found on Facebook. They do have a website, but their website is currently in progress. If I click on that, for example, people on the video will see... That it's coming soon, and you can register your um, email address. Um, so this is another company that's doing uh, hobby organization and hobby storage. Um, and it, the thing we really liked about Hobby Zone is they approached it in their own way. Probably still the best way I've seen so far. Um, these guys are very much doing their own thing as well, which I kind of like. They've designed it all to be very much clicking play. On the video, I'm kind of showing some of those actual stations that they've built using their stuff. Um, it's all modular. This is all I, acrylic, as far as I understand. I, I will um, say I like the one uh, vertical paint storage option they have. Yes. Where you put the, the droppers in. got my attention. Yeah, that that's cool. Um, so, yeah, like you said, it is, an, it is a Canadian outfit. I think the benefit of a lot of these stuff is that you're not seeing a lot of these companies based in the one spot. Hobby Zone is based in... Is it Poland? Poland? Yeah. Poland. Um, they, they do have a pretty good uh, reseller here in the US, so... Yeah. The um, Miniature Scenics one that I showed a few episodes ago is based here. It's not the only one that's based here, but it's the only, the only one that's going to that level here. Um, Back to Basics is maybe a company I might look at at some point in the future, too. Already um, stations out of South Korea. Yep. Uh, this is Canadian, which could cover the U.S. I don't know of a U.S. company doing this yet. I'm sure there has to be one. I just haven't seen one. Um, uh, I don't... No, I haven't seen one. I will say this, though. Once I found Hobby Zone and I got their stuff, the only thing I did was I got the one Artie Station thing that you know that you showed off, and I was like, "Ooh, that I yeah. need that." And yeah, it it works good for me. And that, I don't need any more furniture at this point. So, nope. Um, I'm still reworking my system. That Artie Station one didn't really work for me. Uh, I've kind of gone back to the vertical station thing that I had prior to that. Um, what I'll end up doing long term, I'm not sure. It's kind of just on the side bench for now. Um, but this, I came across this randomly last night and I instantly threw this on instead of going to the other safe ones because I was like, nope, nope, I want to talk about this. Prices-wise, this is all very, very reasonable too. 
Oh, this is even cheaper than the Hobby Zone stuff. Like, significantly cheaper. That large dropper bottle stand that you mentioned yeah. is 25 bucks, and it's Canadian bucks. So that's like 20 bucks for me, then. Um, yeah. Dropper bottle... Oh, sorry, sorry. Dropper bottle tower is the one we were talking about, which is 35 which is about, what, 29 for you? Yeah, probably. That's so, insanely cheap. So, yeah, that's, that's still pretty cheap, though, yeah. Um, you would have to pay for postage on top of this, which for me would be insane. Uh, not so much to the U.S. I wouldn't imagine. Sh shipping Canada to the U.S. is is not terrible. It's 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 like no normal normal postage plus ten fifteen percent. Okay, that's not too bad. No, I mean not 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 especially considering going from country to country. Which, yeah. yeah, you know it should it shouldn't be in reality. So, so Red <clears throat> Leaf Customs. Um, I would definitely recommend checking these out. Reviews on their Facebook are all pretty popular. They are definitely a smaller company, though. So uh, they're based in the Durham region of Toronto. I had to Google where Durham was. I kind of it's figured out... That well, yes, I figured that out by the .ca in their website address. <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's it's uh, just outside of Toronto, or Toronto, for those that are local. Um, and, as the name suggests, they will actually do custom stuff for you, too. Now, shall we talk about some hobby stuff? Paint. How's the kitchen going, George? Uh, the kitchen's done enough that I uh, I pulled out the uh, Dwarf Blood Bowl team and, and started doing some painting on it. Oh my god, you actually have done some nice. hobby. I was not <laughs> expecting you to have any hobby. <laughs> yeah. No, so here, let me see if we can. You, George, you see the little... You, you see the little blue guys there? Ah, oh, yes, see the, yes. See, see all the yeah. little blue, blue guys back there? Yeah, that's my Blood Bowl team. Um, yeah. I'm instantly upset, and I'll tell you why later. Um, so how far through those are you? Um, if I were to sit down and put a good solid two hours a night, mm, hour a night for the next nine days, I could probably have it finished. What about you, Captain Sox? What have you been up to? Uh, work has gotten busier. Uh, it's usually how it goes. On the military side, uh, December just kind of tanks off and is a lull. And the first couple of weeks in January is where everything speeds back up. So I've not had any time really to work on that's, things. Even in the that's why I remodeled my kitchen when I did because, like Christmas Eve, I sat in front of a computer for seven point three hours and did nothing. The other point seven the hours I worked. Yeah. <laughs> So I have not had any time. I'm hoping to have some time over the next couple of weeks, uh, finish up the B1 droids that I have painted, uh, get them all ready to go, start getting them based, and then uh, start working on the whatever I got next. Uh, I've got Cad Bane for my droid army. So got a few things lined up. Just got to find the time now. Is he as awesome in the game as he is in the, the cartoon? So I haven't played with him yet. Uh, my son who... Uh, I split the starter set with my other son, has him, and I've seen him played once, and he's, he seems pretty cool, uh, being able to uh, drop some mines off here and there. Um, so right. I, just, I need to play with him a little bit more, see what his, his uh, abilities are. Bruce, have you done anything? Um, I've been playing around with my 3D printer. Um, truth be told, after the massive last-minute urge that I went through my and stuff, uh, I took a couple of days off, and then either I've been working or I've been... I, I pretty much... I haven't really had a lot of personal time. Um, so I have spent some time on the 3D printer because I'm trying to prepare something 
that I want to take home to mum as a gift uh, for my trip home. That will be the next hobby project that I have if we ever have a... Well, no, I, it needs to be done, temperature be damned. But it's kind of hard to use the airbrush in 30-plus degree weather. Um, otherwise, no, I haven't really had a lot of chance. Uh, I have not opened my blood bowl, uh, my, my blood angels yet. Uh, quite deliberately, I actually chose to keep them on the back burner for the moment. Um, so, I so, am I correct in understanding then, that I've had the most productive amount of hobby time? Yes, yes, yes you are. Wow. <laughs> I have, however, been researching. So, okay, what's the one thing that I don't need more of, George? Uh, yes, I know that you already know what I'm going to talk about. Things to paint? Things to paint, games to play, uh, hobbies to spend money on. Um, Would you like to see my Kickstarter account, Bruce? <laughs> Mine's been, I've been very good on Kickstarter. I've barely spent a cent for months. And the only things that I have spent money on have been 3D printing stuff that I can just do whenever. Um, so last weekend I was talking to a friend of mine, Rob, uh, who I got into Infinity at one point, and we've, we were both kind of painting stuff for Infinity and we still haven't played it. Um, Seems but basically good. he was talking to me about RC stuff. And I was like, no, don't talk to me about oh, RC yeah. stuff because I've been tempted to get into RC stuff for so long and I don't need to be tempted. And about two hours later, I'm on my way home and I'm, I've am i spent a week and a half researching what I wanted to buy. I have now decided what I'm buying and I've pre-ordered it. Um, I'm hoping that it arrives before I go home for Christmas because if it does, I could kind of, I could actually take it with me home and do it with my father. But I don't think that's going to happen because, quite frankly, it's just not. It's meant to arrive in February, but there's no actual date because, of course, there's not. We don't have it in the country yet. Um, I would be very surprised if I have it before the fifth of February. But I will continue to hope, just in case. Otherwise, I'll just do it at home. And I don't know. I kind of. It's kind of come from the same place where my getting into the slot cars kind of came from. I wanted to have a hobby project that I could do more with when I'm not playing a game. So, like, the big thing lately, obviously, has been that with lockdown, you can't really do anything publicly. Um, if I had well, if I had something like that, I could take my car, I could go to the park, and I could just play by myself. Um, kind of like I can with the slot cars, but it's not kind of as fun by yourself. Yeah, well, and, and that's part of the problem with uh, some of my, uh, my project backing is... A lot of it is cooperative stuff. Yeah, so when but you, you've got the, family that you can play with. Well, and the one unique thing that you can do with cooperative games is they have rules for solo play. Yeah. That's true. That's actually some of the stuff I have I could play by myself if I wanted to. So um, I think uh, the Cthulhu, my Dresden Files game, uh, the for Forbidden Games that I've got, uh, I could play those all solo because, you know... It, 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 it is a turn-based thing that, you know, different things happen to different characters, stuff like that. So, I mean, um, uh, Hell, The Last Saga, that's got uh, Play By Yourself. Massive Darkness 2 is Play By Yourself. Uh, the, the screenshot I just sent you guys, that's stuff that did it, that I deem him back on Kickstarters, uh, Nemesis Lockdown and Isis Vanguard. They have Play By Yourself rules. I, uh, I, I read it a little more, the Primal game, and it has Play By Yourself rules. So, yeah. I like, I like cooperative games more because you 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 work together with other people but in a situation like this having a game you can just sit down and play it by yourself you know yeah <laughs> anything that's on kickstarter right now is usually bringing out rules like that because they almost get ignored if they don't not yeah. quite almost 
Um, and it's it's almost without question the first question that gets asked on Kickstarter at the moment. When are you going to release rules for solo play? Um, which, as a creator, I can I can assume would be very frustrating. Because you've got if this... you're trying to release a game that that's not what you wanted to make. Right, yeah. If you're trying to be like, oh, yeah, this game will do this. And like, okay, well, I can't go see my friends. So uh, how do I play by myself? Oh, I didn't design it that way. I didn't even think about that. Yeah. Um, ironically, if I ever actually finish it, the game that I kind of have in mind had a version for that from the outset, sort of. Because um, it had NPCs that would interfere in the game which could very easily be just more of. Um, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. I'm nowhere near even talking about that yet. So since we're talking about games and stuff like that, let's just uh, kick over to this real quick then. Talk nerdy to me. Because you guys had... <clears throat> yeah, frog in my throat. Not COVID. Frog in my throat. Uh, you guys had a, a topic of a, 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 some drop zone that you uh, you actually wanted to touch on. So... Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna do a lot of listening because I don't know a lot about Drop Zone. I have. Some, I've only but... ever played one game of Drop Zone. I don't know much more than you do. <laughs> but the last game that I played of Drop Zone was back when back in the hot LZ days with Levi back in like 16 or 17. So it's been a hot minute for me too. So, but so anyways. Obama was president. Yeah. Oh wow, that is a long time ago. Okay, so <laughs> more for George's, more for George than for the audience. Basically, what we're doing is we're going through the units of a specific faction, uh, or in the case of Drop Fleet, which we're also doing this with again, uh, we're covering a group of ships. The benefit of doing it that way is it means that you don't have to understand the ins and outs of everything to do with the game to be able to make a few basic recommendations. Um, I mean, I, I didn't know, I've never played with Shatari, but I, I could see enough to go, well, I don't like that one as much as this one, uh, because it does this and not that, for example. Does that sound fair, Captain Sucks? It does. Very much so. So, tonight we're going to kind of cover the UCM troops. We're going to kind of cover the troops, uh, before we move on to anything else. And so, with the UCM, you've got your basic legionnaires, which are your standard unit, you usually take... Uh, you see them in a groups of two to three for their squad size. Uh, we're not going to talk about their troop transports because you got various different ones you can bring in, and it's just whatever you wanted to load them up into. You just bring those ones. Um, yeah, pretty much. Uh, with transports, generally speaking, there's not usually a lot in the way of options. It's usually just, well, this type goes into that thing, uh, this type goes into the other thing, and so you just pick... If there are a point later where we're covering something that does have more significant options, then we'll bring it up at the time. Uh, it's just not going to be relevant for the conversation today, which is UCM today. We had originally stated that we we're going to try and cover all of the troops for the game, but the more we looked at this, the more we realised it would take three and a half hours to do that, and we don't have that time. I'm still Nor trying to find the troops. So if you go to... Are you on the uh, Battle Builder? I, I am. So you want to select UCM? Yeah. Then I, build an army? Yeah. I, and then then I would recommend adding a front line. Or if you want to do it the easy way, instead of going up, there's a little slider that says Force Builder or Faction Unit Viewer. Just go into Faction Unit Viewer up of a green Oh, that is so much bar, easier. And it has all of your troops. And then you can scroll down and you've got your exotics, which are oh, the, hey, look at the that. other troops. So it's a whole lot easier to go look through the stuff that way. Oh, hey. So, wow. 
Okay, for those of you at home that are wondering what we're talking about, this is the Drop Zone Commander website. We have Drop Zone Commander resources. Under that, we have the Army Builder. You pick the force that you want. Now, obviously, you should be selecting UCM, but we can't do that today because it's... Sorry, you should be selecting Scourge because they're awesome. But we have <laughs> to talk about UCM today. So we will select UCM even though they're just, you know, gutter trash compared to everybody else. Resistance would be okay, but they're still not as good as Scourge. PHR Shatari, my friend. Up in the top right hand is what Sox is covering, Force Builder or Faction Unit Viewer. It's taken me six months to find out where that button was. Thank you, uh, Captain. Don't worry. I just learned it myself uh, a few weeks ago myself. Just digging through Michelle the website. Michelle has tried to tell me where that button is several times. So. Well, so fun fact, this is the first time ever that this page is actually loaded for me. Interesting. Oh, it was down there for a little while, so that would make sense. I think they were up, updating some stuff and, and whatnot. But, uh, yeah, as, as you can see on the page, you've got your command, your standard, and so you've got the various different unit types that you can have. And as mentioned before, we're going to go over the troops, uh, specifically the infantry style. So we'll go into a little bit of the exotics too. Um, but for your troops, you've got mortar teams, you got flat teams, and you got legionnaires. Um, your legionnaires, so, are, yep, are like I said, you're pretty much basic grunt um, marine, if you want to call them, George. Uh, they've got uh, two inch. Most infantry have about a two inch move, uh, so that's standard. Uh, the, the UCM, their squad size is two to three point or two to three bases per unit for 22 points a, uh, a base. Um, and so pretty good uh, close combat. Uh, have you played with the new close combat rules, Bruce, since since they've changed? No, the game I've played was the um, second was edition. 1. It was still 1.1, okay. yeah. Um, I have not had a game with second edition. We were planning to just before everything went into lockdown. And as much as we are free at the moment, I haven't had a chance to even think about it. I need to finish yeah. putting my stuff together so, anyway. So how close action works now is you roll each... You got your little stat there that says five shots for close action. So if you have a squad size of three, you're going to have 15 dice. They automatically hit. So you're rolling for damage now primarily. And so you just take your energy... Uh, or you roll another d6, add your energy to that score, and if you beat or equal the, the opposing unit's armor, you actually damage that unit. And so they've changed in close combat a little bit, made it more streamlined, which is kind of nice. Um, so, as I said, your legionnaires are your basic. Uh, these are the guys that you want to use to go in and, and find objectives. They're not the ones that you're going to want to take against other exotic or special, special force-type troops they will get hammered um so just think of them the guys going in finding objectives holding holding objectives for you if you need to uh the flat teams these are guys that are two-man team type units uh on their bases and they are there to sit on top of buildings if you can get them up on there or in the middle of the streets and shoot at enemy aircraft transport uh as they're flying around they have some close combat as well they're not as good um just because there's not as many of them. Um, they've got little sidearms, uh, so energy-wise. The mortar teams, um, again, two-man team type uh, weapon system. They are more for uh, indirect fire, particularly uh, against other troops. Their energy uh, is not the greatest as well, so you're not going to be able to hit some of the, the standard tanks or whatnot. Um, so this is more to concuss uh, if other infantry. 
uh, nearby. And so that's why you'd want to take those guys is, is try and knock some people out in buildings or behind cover uh, before rushing in your own infantry into the uh, the building to, to take them out. Um, yeah. Um, I like the fact that all of these actually have a place. Uh, there's not there's not really anything here that I look at and go, well, I don't understand why you would take that because they all do something different, um, which is a sign of a good game. Um, and something I think Drop Fleet needs to do a little more of because you can't say that about most Drop Fleet things yet. Um, but this game's also nine years older. Yes. So yeah, I mean... To build it, I, I can tell you right. You know, I mean, there, there's just three ships I don't have for drop fleet for Sheltari just because what's the point of them? I mean, yeah. Um, so yeah, the good thing about the unit viewer is that you can actually click on unit and it will show you exactly what they look like, the squad size, how many points they are. You've got a thing that you can actually give feedback if you find mistakes. Um, they do show you all of the stats, which is what I've been showing everybody on the video version of this. So if you're listening to our podcast and would like to be able to view this either you could back us on patreon and get access to this early or next weekend you'll be able to watch this for free um coming up next we are covering the exotics yep so your your exotic type infantry those are your special forces so delta yeah. force green beret those type of guys uh the hazard suit team uh they're kind of got a light rail gun Side, uh, is their main weapon, um, so uh, they can take out enemy armor uh, if it's wide enough. Uh, the highest they're gonna be able to get is if you were to roll a six on your dice and then add that energy of six for their weapon, you'd be able to hit units with armor armor twelve. Uh, so you can focus, which can help as well um, in in increasing a little bit of damage by taking it, take away two hits. Um, if I'm remembering the rules right. So these would be good for in the buildings, just snipe down on to unsuspecting armor as they're rolling down the street. Your Praetorians, um, these guys can actually be inserted uh, through the roof with the, uh, what's the, the Raven A dropship. Um, and they're pretty much the guys you go in if you've got enemy, enemy, enemy infantry in there that before you uh, to go in and take them out. And then you can bring in your, pra- your regular Praetorian or Legionnaires as support. Um, so very good specialized fo- special forces unit. Um, they've got two types of weapons for the Praetorians in terms of close action. Uh, if you want to shoot fistfuls of ice, where you can get you got a squad of two to three, you can roll anywhere between 30 to 45 dice for the SMG close weapon. But your energy is really, really low. Or you can roll... Uh, five shots, five dice of base for energy six with the grenades. So take your pick uh, of what you want to roll with. If you're going against uh, Shaltari and their armor suits, um, you'll probably want to be shooting the grenades versus the SMG closes because they're, if I remember correctly, on the, the armor war suits, their, energy, their armor is like a nine for the Shaltari uh, regular battle troops. Uh, so, like I said, go in, kick some door down, uh, and hold the building till your legionnaires can come in and help support find the objectives as well uh, while you're continuing on with close action. Um, and then we've got one other, if you go down to scout, you've got a Praetorian sniper team. Yeah. Also infantry. It's also infantry. This, yep. Go ahead, Bruce. I was going to say, this one actually has a three inch move, um, which for those wondering why these are so small, we will explain that in a minute. It should be fairly obvious, but we will come back to it in a minute. 
Yep. So they can have a squad size of two or three uh, bases per unit, 35 points a piece. Um, small sidearms uh, in terms of CQ, the energy is only a two. Um, but what they're good at is they have sniper rifles. And so they can shoot into buildings. If, they, if there's enemy infantry shooting out of a building down the street or whatnot, they're pretty good at shooting it back into the building um, and killing infantry that are huddled against the walls because they get body armor or body cover as well or soft cover as well as uh, some armor saves because they're behind walls and, and whatnot. Uh, so drop fleet, as Bruce mentioned, drop fleet is a 10 millimeters size game. And so drop zone or drop zone. Sorry. Yeah, you're right. Thank yeah. you, Bruce, or George. Drop zone is 10 millimeters. And so three inches is pretty significant uh, movement for a little base. Yeah, because yeah, if I remember correctly, the tanks move like six inches or something like that. Some of the tanks, yeah, some some yeah. of them are normally six inches. The Shatari and the Scourge are like uh, nine inches uh, or ten inches. Yeah. So because Scourge have that thing where they want to be in close, and it's kind of their whole point. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, the thing you need to remember with drop zone specifically is that. 99.9% of the time, you are not bringing these guys on from the board edge. You're putting them in a transport, and the transport will get them close to where they need to be, and then they will move the, the rest. Yeah, um, because, although, yes, it's a small scale, and um, three inches is a lot larger than it sounds like it is, when at the same time, like you're, you're still playing on a, on a six by four board. Four by four. Four by four. Four by four? Sorry, four, four by, by four, four board. Which so is, it's still significant. Like you, if you was to walk these on, you wouldn't even reach the building you're aiming for by the end of the game. Yeah, uh, exactly. And yeah. Um, so think of it in the in the. We're going to start from the drop fleet realm, kind of picture down. So you've got your clusters and your sectors. Think of a, the four by four board, a section of one of the sectors that you're landing your troops on in drop fleet. That's that's kind of the scale that you're zooming into as you're playing. Well, you got your clusters, but then the little round counters, those are your individual sectors. Right, but 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 I I thought the clusters represented like, you know, like yeah, if you've got like three clusters on the board, I thought each cluster represented a city that you, you know, an instance of a drop zone is is occurring in. I've heard it that way too, but the, the, you'd have to have a probably a 6 by 4 bo- foot board. To, oh really? To show the entire yeah, to show the entire cluster, especially a cluster that has four sectors in it. Well, yeah, no, now, yeah. Now that you mention it, the uh, the the few tournaments I've seen where they've had the uh, the orbital defense laser, that's yeah. a pretty that's a pretty big model they were throwing down on the board for drop zone. Oh yeah, yeah. So, so you yeah, think I, okay, about yeah. I guess I could see that. Yeah. Also, so, realistically, um, like the four by four board that you're playing on here is not the whole city; it's just a section of it, just like every other game. Yeah. And, and most well. of your, you're going to have primarily you play on a cities type scape where you've got skyscrapers of yep. different sizes and heights and widths and whatnot. And a lot of your objectives that you're trying to go find are primarily most of the time in the middle of the board, just like the sectors and the clusters are in drop fleet. And so yep. having an infantry with a three inch move, you're definitely going to need them in a Raven BA or uh, in a Condor with a bear APC and fly them in drop them, like Bruce was saying, relatively close to the building and get them into the building so they can start looking for the objectives. Um, yeah. Now, on our last episode, when talking about drop fleet, we kind of touched on the fact that um, it's not necessarily about killing each other that's the important part. It's getting your troops on the ground that's the important part. 
Drop Zone shares some stuff for that as well. There is different mission types, and obviously, yes, there will be mission types where the point is kill each other. But generally speaking, a lot of what you're trying to do is find an objective and then get that objective off the board or hold that objective for a certain amount of time and so on and so forth. Um, So it's another game where if the only thing you're trying to do is kill each other, um, you could actually lose the game because you've not actually got any points. Potentially. Um, it's trying to make things more tactical than just I, I aim, I point, I smash things. Um, like some other games that I'm not going to point fingers at in 40k. Yeah. Um, there's a way that you could still kind of win the game because um, there are weapons out there that can destroy buildings. And if you yes. don't bring a lot of troops in your army, that's about the only way you're going to win the game is if you shoot the buildings that have all the objectives and deny your opponent from getting into those buildings with objectives. Um, but And that's definitely to, a tactic that can work in this. It can, but in if you go back to your force builder, you have to have at least one frontline uh, group in your in every single one of your armies, and that's where you get your infantry into is with the frontline group. And so you're going to have to bring at least one squad of, of infantry in, in your force. So you might as well bring a couple. That way you can deny your opponent the objectives while scoring points yourself. Yeah. Actually, yeah, let's just touch on that very quickly. So, when you're building your force, you can have a maximum of one HQ, a minimum of none. You need a minimum of one front line, a maximum of two, a minimum of one armor, a maximum of one, a this minimum of... Points. This is also with 1,500 points, Bruce. It changes... Oh, on your- sorry. Okay, I'm looking at 500 points. That might be different then. Let me change that. Yeah, for 990... Yeah, it changes, yeah, it changes it. For 999 yes, points, which is kind of your skirmish level, so think of it's it's kind of the same point value breakdown that Drop Fleet has, um, if, yeah. as we do here in Drop Zone. Yeah, so um, that changes it significant. Well, not significantly. It changes it so that you do have to have an HQ now. Um, Frontline and armor is still the same. Yeah. Vanguard, you can now take up to two. Wall range can be up to two. So it gives you a bit of an idea of what you're looking at. Yeah. And mine is currently telling me off because I have nothing in my list. So I'm currently failing to have an armor, a front line, and an HQ. Yep. And then you can have your vanguard, which is kind of your uh, heavy units, uh, your special forces, some of your support weapons. Um, and then you can have, actually, no, sorry, your your armor is now where you take heavy stuff. I've changed the, how the battle groups work. And then your war engines are your behemoths. Uh, once they start coming out, I'm looking forward to some of them coming out here. This year, I've heard. Uh, yes. Michelle, that's right. Let me know. I'm pretty sure it's this year that they're saying. Um, so I'm kind of looking forward to seeing some of the war engines start coming out for all the factions. Yeah. So that's it for our game talk for this week. Uh, Michelle did point out a couple of things that we got wrong last episode. Of those couple of things that he pointed out, I think it was only one of them that was actually true. Um, all of the rest of them either were things that we never said or things that he misunderstood. <laughs> but we're not going to point out what they are because I've done a video for that that will hopefully go up later today if Captain Tox can get me the thing that I need. I should be able to. Thank you. Um, upcoming events? <clears throat> upcoming events. So we actually have a couple. The Project 500 is still continuing. This is the... It's kind of more of a challenge for the community than an event itself. Um... Project 500 is um, supposed to be painting 500 points of drop fleet or drop zone each month. 
Uh, it's just general hobby motivation. Uh, for the month of January, there's also a winter painting competition going on where you're supposed to paint one centerpiece to go with that 500 points. Um, so obviously pay more attention to that. Try to win yourself some prizes. The Tabletop Simulator Tournament that we discussed last episode has started its entries. Um, and a couple of people have gotten their battles in so far. Ah, yes. Um, it started, well, it's running until the 3rd of February. Very quickly, the way that things are looking at at the moment, uh, you have 29.4 people are playing the UCM, which is who we were covering today. And PHR. Uh, Same for PHR, yep. Behind that is the Scourge at 17.6. So only 17.6% of people have made the right decision. Um, Then you have an even split between Shaltari and Resistance at 11.8. So it's, there's actually a, a nice evenly-ish spread. Um, UCM and PHR definitely are in front. I was surprised the PHR was one of them because yeah, normally I, it tends to split between the starter set ones. Yeah. I was going to say that's a massive jump uh, for uh, PHR because usually they were yeah. back in the day, you know, like finding a PHR player, you know, in a tournament was, was kind of rough. And then even rougher still, you'll, you'll, you'll agree with this, Captain Sox. Finding a PHR player that was placing well was even more even rare. Harder to yeah. find, yes. Because PHR, that- PHR were never bad, It's but you needed to be a very good player to play them properly. Uh, yes, their, their learning style of play is probably the steepest out of the five factions. Yeah, because um, you and- have to think three or four steps ahead, whereas everybody else don't have to do that. Yeah. And at the beginning tournaments, Shaltari was near the top in terms of number of uh, players, but also wins. Uh, Shaltari and UCM. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's it. Uh, there's been an update from the UK Games Expo yesterday. Their tournament, so their expo for this year has been delayed again. Uh, it's now going to be from July 31st until sept- until August the 1st. Uh, this has been delayed Again, because of lockdowns and stuff, um, the government have requested to allow time for vaccines to get out and stabilise stuff and so on and so forth. The people in charge of the expo currently have two completely different expos planned. One if it has to be socially distanced and one if it doesn't. So by all means, it looks like this is definitely happening this time around. Um For anybody that had carried on their tickets from last year and not chosen to get a refund, those will still be um, current for this expo that's coming up. The and that's regardless of whether the price for the tickets is the same or not. So if the price for the tickets go up, that won't affect you. You already have your ticket. Uh, If, however, you had requested a refund, then that had already happened. Um, If you'd like to know the information on that yourself go to the Beasts of War website. There is an interview with the people in charge. Uh, Brush Beast is a painting competition being run by... Uh, I'm completely forgetting the name of the group. It's the Paint Station, guys. Um, Studio X. Thank you, yes, Studio X. Um, running from February 1st until March 31st this year, there's five different categories. Single miniature, large creature or monster, Machines of War, Masters, which is an open, and Five Model Squad, which is a studio category. If you would like to know more information, 
facebook.com slash groups slash brush beast. Uh, it's one entry per person and studio or, or studio. Uh, it must be your own work, obviously. Um, pictures must be provided before the mini was primed and when they're completed. There are more rules than that. Um, off the top of my head, uh, you need to also have at least five pictures of your completed thing against a black background. Uh, they are requesting high-quality pictures for obvious reasons um, because you're not really going to get much of a score if they can't see what they're looking at. Um, if you go to Mini Masterworks Facebook page, or if you do a search for Studio X, I'm pretty sure you come across it, they have three or four different posts about this at this point, including the prizes that you can win and so forth. Vallejo are one of the major sponsors. Um, but if you want to get in on that, I would recommend to get started, um, well, plan what you want to paint and then get started on February 1st. Because if you want to come in within even a hair's breadth of winning, you're going to want to spend as much time on this as you can. Or you just have too much ridiculous amounts of skill that you can whip uh, a winning mini out in like four hours, and people hate you and want to stab you in the eye with your their, your with your brushes while they while they snap all of their own brushes. Yes, yes. Otherwise, is that it? Yes, I think, I think that's, that's it. it. Yep. Yeah. So. If you enjoy our content and you're in a position where you can support us, patreon.com slash gettingtabled. All we ask for is $2 a month. Uh, that gets you early access to most of the videos that we make, at least 80% of them. Um, the response that we have for Michelle will be coming out to uh, video form, and that will go live publicly immediately because of the nature of it. Um, but otherwise, most things actually... like significantly more stuff goes on at least 24 hour hold uh social media wise facebook.com slash getting tabled uh twitter and instagram is at getting tabled youtube if you search for getting tabled we are the first like eight results um and otherwise getting tabled at gmail.com getting tabled.weebly.com anything else from you guys um no i don't think nope. good here Hit it, Judge. Uh, this thing? Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. For listening to Getting Table. Music used in this podcast was created by Eric Mataris at soundimage.org.